Well, this morning, we're going to finish the series, uh, How Then Shall We Live? We're on part three. And uh, the last two weeks, we've been talking about what is God doing and why is God doing it. And this week, I want to talk about how shall we live? I really want to bring the name of the series, How Then Shall We Live? And I, and I want to exclamate it today with the message. And, and I want to just give a plug. I want to give a plug. Next week, next week and the following week, two weeks in a row, we're going to have a, an awesome guest speaker. And she's not a guest speaker. She's our, part of our spiritual family, part of our teaching team, Amy Lyle. She'll be speaking next Sunday and the following Sunday. And so you just don't want to miss it. She's been leaning into the Lord. Of course, she and Jeff and, and their kids, Leisha and Landon, they've been praying through the, the challenges in the home. But as, as I've continued to re- reach out to them and talk to them, the Lord's just been near and been visiting and ministering to them. And so keep praying for the Lyle family. But next weekend, Amy Lyle will be sharing. I'm so excited about that. So this week, I want to talk us through how shall we live? Now, this is super important. I, I want to give you something that has practical application that you can literally take away from today, and you have handles how to walk into the days ahead. Uh, we, we know this. We know the world is changing. I've been emphasizing how the Lord is obviously amplifying things in the earth and and how it appears that we are accelerating toward the end of the age. Uh, We know we're not going back to the way things uh, were before COVID-19. Obviously, there are going to be social standards. There's going to be recommendations by by health agencies and government agencies, but even how we interact will be different. But here's the point. We as a spiritual family and as the church in the earth must be like... uh, the, the sons of Issachar that, that understand the times and the seasons that we're living in. We, we must know where we are on a prophetic time calendar and then engage our hearts in a way that makes sense. So we're not going to go back to the way we were living. We're going to make some shifts right now. And, and we've been emphasizing those things and talking about those things. And so what I want to do today, and I, I really prayed this week because I wanted to give you handles. I wanted to give you something practical. And I said, Lord, help me to just hand to to the greatest number of people practical application, how they can take away from this morning's message lifestyle practices that will enable them to stand right now through the the, the moment of of shelter at home that we're in, but in the days ahead as as things potentially go back to quote-unquote normal-ish in society, but then as they get difficult again, what are the handles, what are the life practices that will enable them to stand through the the challenges of the coming day? And that's what I want to do this week. And so the first thing I want to say to you, and then we're going to pray together again, but I just want to tell you something. In the grace of God, you can do this. I want to encourage you that the, the challenges, they're far greater than any of us can face, but the grace of God is far greater than any of the challenges. And it's in our weakness and in our humility that we access the grace of God. And if we'll just start by saying, Jesus, we need you. We can't do this without you. Jesus, we can't do this without you. 
and humble ourselves, step right into the grace, I want to encourage you, His grace is so available. His grace is so accessible. He gives grace to the humble. And His grace enables us where we're just sitting here going, we can't do this. And I hear a lot in the world right now, and they're saying, we can do this together. And I just think, you know, that's an exciting sentiment, but that is completely wrong. We can't do this together, but we can do this in the grace of God. That's a major difference. Humanism says we can do this. Christianity and the kingdom of God says we can't, but in the grace of God, we can do all things. And so I want to encourage you. You can do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do it together, not by bolstering ourselves up in our arrogance and our strength, but by humbling ourselves and in, in the absolute recognition of our weakness, we're going to lean into the grace of God and he is going to cause us to stand. He's going to cause us to, to, to be firm, unshakable, immovable, always abounding in his presence, in his love, in his grace. That's how it's going to go for us. So I want to encourage you this morning, no matter how you're feeling right now, there's grace available for you, and you can do this in the grace of God. Amen. Let's pray, and we'll get into the message. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. I thank you so much for the the sense of joy that's even on my own soul today, because I know your word is true. Your word is a light. Your word imparts life. And even today, I'm asking, release the light and the revelation of God on every hearer. Release your presence in every home. Break in with understanding. I'm asking for help by the Holy Spirit. Our hearts are alerted. We are cautioned. We recognize we're in an accelerating time frame. Now, Lord, speak to our hearts Speak to our minds. Give us the handles by which we can forge ahead in your grace and experience that Ephesians 3 might in our inner man. Now, Lord, impart that this morning, I'm asking. Impart might by your spirit in our inner man that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, that we would be rooted and grounded in love and comprehending with all the saints the height, the width, the depth, the length, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Do that today. I give you thanks, Lord. I thank you for holding my hand and helping me to speak as your oracle. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Go ahead and say amen at home. Amen. There you go. All right. Let's look at John 15. And I want to talk about this principle that Jesus unpacked in John 15 called abiding. Now, the notes are available, and, and uh, Shelly will put, put them in our, our online feeds on Facebook and YouTube, but you can also go to prayermissionschurch.com, and the notes are there for today's message. You're going to want these notes because I've put a variety of scriptures in the notes that are going to help you. They're going to impart grace and life to you. But I want to look at John 15, and I'm going to read the first 11 verses. These verses have become a hobby of mine, just camping in these verses. They have been so life-giving, so empowering, and I I believe they'll, they'll be the same for you. I really want to encourage you, after today's message, 
Take these verses into your times of worship and prayer this week and just allow the Lord to speak to you through these verses. Let's read them together. John 15, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Verse 4, abide in me and I and you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples or prove to be my disciples. Verse 9, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Wow. So when I see verse 11, I go, okay, Jesus gave me all those words. He said all that stuff to me so that I would be filled with joy. I want to pay attention to this. I want to get this. Because I, I want to live with a vibrant, joyful heart. And I want to just say this. Over the last six weeks or so, this passage, along with Revelation 1, have been the two passages that the Lord has highlighted to me. The picture of Jesus in Revelation 1 in his glorified state and this passage on abiding. These are the two that have had the most light on them for me and I believe it's because the Lord has been giving me a prophetic picture of how I am to walk forward and, and, and inviting our whole spiritual family and all those that are connecting to us from all over the nation and nations a, a, one of the paths that we're to engage with moving forward. I don't think I've got all the word, the final word, but these two passages, I feel like the Lord has highlighted them, emphasized them, and he wants us to make them a part of our normal, functional, the way we function in life. Now look, in this passage, here's what's going on. Jesus is getting ready to leave the disciples. John 15, 14, 15, 16, 17, it's his last private address to the disciples. It's right before he's about to get arrested. These are some of the deepest drippings of his heart. These, these words are so precious. They're so, I mean, just rich with, with insight and, and the tenderness of, of Jesus' heart for us. So he's getting ready to, to transition. He's, he's going to be crucified and, and resurrected. And he's getting ready to, to leave. And so he's giving them some of the most important things. And this principle right here is a hugely important principle, the principle of abiding. Now, this paradigm, when we think about abiding, 
It is a radically different paradigm than what Jews were used to, and it's radically different than what we're used to in Western life. Abiding speaks of the concept of uh, continuousness, continuity. Abiding is about uh, something that doesn't end. The, the word simply means remaining or continuing. Now, the way the Jews worked is they had hours of prayer that they would go to the, the synagogue or to the temple, and in those hours of prayer, they would have times of scripture reading and times of prayer, and they lived very segmented. They would have those spiritual moments, and then they would just do their, their secular life. And this is the way a lot of believers live today. They live, and, and, and we even think of like a, the real focus, real disciplined ones. They live doing a quiet time. Many of you, you do a quiet time. I, I'm in favor of quiet times. The most grandiose encounters I've ever had with the Lord are in quiet times. But I want to tell you something. This is a little bit of a hair curler. Jesus never taught quiet times. He actually never taught them. He taught a completely different principle. Now, he did quiet times. He modeled quiet times. He never spoke against them. But what Jesus taught was abiding, this idea of remaining. He, 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 never, he never talked down on those times of prayer that the Jews had. What he did was he amplified them. And so one of the barriers that we tend to have is that we think compartmentally and we separate how we do things. We have our home time, our work time. We have our church time, our recreational time. Everything is in its own little category and in its own compartment. And so then what we do is we transition that right into our devotion to the Lord. We have our, our quiet time, our ministry time, our church time, our word time, our worship time, our witnessing time. It's interesting because Jesus taught that we are the church. We don't go to church. Taught we're supposed to abide in his presence, not just have a time that we visit his presence. And he said, you are witnesses. You don't just go witnessing. It's funny how we've taken all these concepts and we've chopped them up into little compartments so we can figure out how to fit them in our life. Let me tell you something. Jesus was never trying to fit into our lives. He was dying on the cross to give us his life for our life so that he would become our life. So what Paul said in Colossians 3, Christ who is our life. And so as we're working through this boundary, this barrier in our mind about compartments and how we actually go about uh, connecting to the Lord, I, I want to bring us into this understanding of abiding. It's, it's a completely different paradigm, but it is so crucial, so essential. It's no longer living with us visiting Jesus and then just going and doing you know, our regular life. It's a living with Jesus as our preoccupation wherever we go, whenever we go, whatever we do. Now, I'm going to break this down for us a little bit more. You have to get this point clear. John 15, 5, Jesus, he said this, without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. And so this whole imagery of the branch and the vine and the language that he's giving us there 
He's definitely not trying to get us to fill up like we do our gas tank in our car and then run out of gas until we have to fill up again. He's trying to get us to see that we're supposed to stay connected. And in verse 6, he says the branch that doesn't stay connected, it withers up, it dries up, and it dies. And so what we're supposed to do is stay connected. And that's what the principle of abiding is all about. Here's what I'm saying. As we're going through our lives today, as we're going through our lives in the next week, as, as the stay-at-home order is going to lift in, in hopefully you know, a few more weeks, as the whole thing lifts and, 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 and we're able to, to step into a, you know, a, a, a sort of a more normal sort of way to do life, as these things are happening nationwide, what we have to do is transition how we operate with the Lord from visiting him in small moments to abiding with him through our lives. Now, for years, Bible teachers, pastors, leaders taught people to do quiet times. And what I think it has, has devolved to for many is you just show up to church. You just get the word. Come on, pastor, give me that word. I need you to give me a word. Feed me so that I can make it through the week. See, the way we had it taught was you do quiet times so you can make it through your day. That devolved to come to church, hear the word, so you can make it through your week. That, beloved, is not how believers are supposed to live. We are all supposed to live connected and abiding. All right, I'm hammering this point because I want it to change in your paradigm. In other words, I want you to see what's necessary what's essential, and moving forward with sort of this fill up, run out of gas kind of paradigm is not going to work for believers in the days ahead. In fact, it's not biblical now, and it's not going to work as we get closer to the end of the age. All right, so practically, how do we abide? So in the cross, by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the New Testament's absolutely clear that he has positionally seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Right now, you are in Christ. You are in him. Uh, Ephesians 1 says you've been accepted in the beloved. Ephesians 2 says you've been uh, raised up and seated in heavenly places in him. And those revelations, those understandings of where we are positionally seated in Christ are mind-boggling. They will blow your mind. There should be much thought and much emphasis on those truths, and it should rudder so much of the way you, you live your life. The fact that we are in Christ and that Christ is in us, those two truths, those two realities should shock you and, 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 and continue to, to source you with, with life and energy in your soul and your spirit. Abiding, on the other hand, is not about where we've been positioned. Abiding is a direct command from Jesus. He says, abide in me. And so abiding is not about where he's positioned us, but it's about where we position us. And so, so often we can have those truths resonant in our minds. I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ. Jesus Christ is dwelling in me by his spirit. We can have those truths, but we're not living in the light of them because we are not positioning ourselves 
in him. We're not positioning ourselves before him in his presence. And this is what Jesus was teaching. He was saying as the branch stays connected to the vine and it stays sourced with light, sourced with life, sourced with nutrients. And then there is where all the fruitfulness is. He goes, I'm telling you, stay connected to me. Don't visit me. Stay connected to me all the time. Now, look, I know some of you right now, you're going, wait a minute. I can't have a quiet time all day long. Like that can't be what I do. And I'm not telling you to do that. I'm telling you that there's a different principle than just that fill up and burn it up. There's this principle of remaining. And I want to walk you through that. Now, Psalm 91, it says this, he who dwells in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. That dwelling means he who sits down. That abiding means abiding under the shadow. It means he will lodge under. And so there's this interesting expression that the Lord's trying to get us to, in terms of the practicality of it. How do we walk this out? We walk this out daily by sitting with him and then lodging in him. Sitting with him and lodging with him. And so this is how it works. This is the practical thing I want to give you. Every day, every day, I want you to take time to sit with Jesus. That's it. But what do I do when I sit there? You sit with him. Jesus, I'm here. What do I do? You sit with him. You sit in his presence. And the way that I do it, it's very, very simple. I close my eyes and I actually recite with, with energy and focus and emotion. I don't just do it by rote, but the, the Revelation 1, the picture of glorified Jesus from Revelation 1, I sit there, and you've that heard me preach, you've heard me open up many times, and I'll say, you have eyes of fire, your face is like the sun, your head and your hair are white as wool. All I'm doing is describing who Jesus is in his glorified state. So I sit down with him, and I declare, I speak the truth of what the Bible says about what he's like. And all I do is I just let the Lord light my holy imagination, and I see from the scripture what Jesus is like. I sit there with him. Now, some of you are moms. Some of you are running and gunning in business. You're doing all sorts of things. You're super busy, and you're thinking, dude, I, I can't do that for like an hour every morning. I know. You can do it for five minutes, though. And if you'll sit for five minutes in his presence, I'm not asking you to try to get something from him. I'm not asking you to pray a prayer list. I'm asking you to sit before him in his presence and allow the truth of the position where you are seated in heavenly places and the truth of, of the fact that Holy Spirit is living inside of you. Allow those truths just to become rich and real in you. Sit there without an agenda, eyes on Jesus, distractions put aside, phone down, all the other things you gotta do, put down. Sit with him. There is something, a contact that will begin to happen for you and it can happen every single day for you. Now, many of you have more time. I'm not in, I'm not in any way encouraging only the five minutes, but some of you, uh, moms, stay-at-home moms, stay-at-home dads, and you got littles, three or four of them, five minutes. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm rooting for you to get the five minutes, but literally, 
before, before the crazy starts, you sit down with Jesus and you picture him. Jesus, your face is like sun. Your eyes are like fire. Your voice is like the sound of many waters. And you begin to engage him. And as you do, Holy Spirit will give you the escort and his presence will begin to overwhelm you. And I want to encourage you, this can start for you when your eyes open before you even get out of bed. I I had to start reverse engineering, how do I do this in my own life? Because oftentimes I just do things intuitively, I don't think it through. But I begin to realize that before I actually get out of bed in the morning, I'm already engaging Jesus. And while I'm getting myself ready in the the bathroom, in the shower, I'm engaging Jesus. I'm not going through the list of what I've got to get done. I'm just engaging the Lord. I'm I'm, I'm speaking to him. I'm, I'm singing to him. This is what I'm telling you to do. And then, so you're at home, you're, you're going through that morning routine. Take five minutes, sit down, and just sit there and quiet yourself with him so you can begin the process of abiding. He who dwells will abide daily, I'm telling you, dwell with him. Some of you can do this for an hour. Some of you really, it's five minutes. Do it every day. Like lock in, Close your eyes and allow him to source your soul and get into his presence. The abiding part comes throughout your day where you literally just pray a hundred prayers of devotions to keep yourself connected to him. I found this. I had to figure out how do I do this? One of the key ways I do it is I just constantly pray through the day in my in-between times. I'm having all sorts of meetings. I've got lots of things that, that I'm responsible for. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a lot of stuff done. But what I do is throughout my day in my in-between moments, I'll just go right back to that place of when I sat down with him and I'll just say, I love you, Lord. I'm yours. Thank you for your cross. It's good to be with you. Your presence is all I need. You're my Lord. You're my bridegroom. You're my king. You're my God. You're everything. I'll pray these little three, five-second prayers, and and I'll just reconnect myself in that moment. And and, and really, it's not even a reconnection. It's just a, a moment where I affirm that I am still connected to him in my car, walking to the restroom, going to get something to eat, in between, from here to there, I'll just reference him. I'll just, I'll just engage him just for a moment. This, beloved, is a way that all believers are supposed to live where we're constantly, continuously connecting to Jesus. The example I want to give is this. He shows us the branch and the vine. That's one example, right? The branch never is disconnected from the vine. If it is, he makes it really clear, it drives up. The the example I want to give is it's holding his hand. I pray that often when I preach, Lord, come and hold my hand, and I realize it's not even exactly biblical because he is holding my hand if I'm abiding. And I was thinking about like with my wife. You know, I can hold my wife's hand, and I don't have to be constantly just talking to her the entire time. I can hold her hand, and I can do any number of things and then give her hand a squeeze, and, and, and she knows I'm there, and I know she's there. And this is more what we're talking about. What I'm talking about is we engage Jesus, we're holding his hand, and then we never stop holding his hand. We don't leave the place of sitting down with him without him. We leave that place holding his hand. 
so that no matter what we're doing, whether it's a, a job or, 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 or momming at home, whatever it is that we're doing, we're doing it holding his hand. And, and it's, it's the entire time throughout our day, we're aware of our connection with him. Doesn't mean that I'm constantly talking to him, but it means that I'm aware of that connection. And so then when I have three minutes, I might close my eyes in the middle of the day and just go, Lord, I love you. Lord, this situation has got me burdened. Would you, Jesus, would you, would you help me with this? I need your grace. And it's the easiest thing to flow in and out, in and out of just engaging Jesus. I put there in the notes three different ways that you can do this through your day. First, it's these small prayers of devotion. A hundred of them a day, really. From here to there, I love you, Lord. You're so good. Second, it's getting a scripture, holding it on your mind and coming back to it dozens of times throughout the day. I love John 15, nine. That verse has been a, it's been a rudder for me. It's been a, a jet engine for me for 15 plus years, 20 years. As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. I'll just carry that on my heart throughout the day. And I'll just say it back to him. You love me like the Father does. You want me to remain in your love. This is what you said you want. And I want, I want what, what you want. I'm in on it. And I'll pray like literally a 10 second kind of dialogue over a verse. I'll do it throughout the whole day. I'll just hold it in my heart and carry it with me. And in my in-between times, I'll come back to it. And then thirdly, and this is something I've taught for years, is every single person has internal dialogue. To say it funny, everybody talks to themselves. But what you do is instead of just talking to yourself, take your internal dialogue and engage the Lord with it. So I pray all these little prayers throughout the day. I hold a scripture that I'll reference throughout the day. And then I'll take my internal dialogue and I'll direct it to the Lord. These are all ways that I continue to abide with him. I continue to hold his hand. I continue to not lean not to my own understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge him, like Proverbs 3 says. It's what Romans 8 talks about. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace, but the mindset on the flesh is death. It's so affirmed. This concept is so universally affirmed through the scripture. It's, it's really interesting to me how we've, we've really kind of missed this thought. And, and I think what I've noticed about my own life is this, doing that fill up in a quiet time and then going throughout my day. It's like, I'll have these great moments with Jesus. And then I mean, it can literally be by noon. Say I have a good moment with Jesus at eight o'clock. By noon, my soul can be all out of sorts. I can feel all crazy and frantic. And then I'm like, Lord, I'm so sorry. It's just like, oh, my soul is just crazy. And then I think, man, how did I end up here? Man, my day started over here so good. And the reason why was because I engaged him, sat down with him, and then literally walked away with him in the flesh to go do whatever it was I thought I needed to do, and I was trying to, to accomplish those things in my own strength without holding his hand. This is such a simple thought. Guess what? You and Jesus is a majority. You and Jesus wins. You and Jesus overcomes everything. There's nothing that, that 
can come to you, get in your way, that you and Jesus doesn't, I mean, just exceedingly, abundantly above, you know, take, take, take over that thing, go through that thing without any, without any challenge. Like you can soar as long as it's you and Jesus, but you without Jesus, we lose constantly. And I've found that in my own self, when my soul is out of sorts, when I'm short-tempered, when I say things at home to my kids or my wife that I, I just, man, later I feel so bad, man, I shouldn't have said that, I was dumb. That's because I'm not abiding. It's because I'm in the flesh. And, and he says, you're not in the flesh if the spirit of Christ dwells in you. You don't have to be in the flesh. You can stay in his presence. You can stay abiding with him all day long. It's about living with a holy preoccupation with Jesus and doing your whole life with Jesus instead of without him. Okay, I want to give you from John 15 three components to abiding. So I'm telling you, five minutes in the morning, this is the practical thing, five minutes in the morning, sit with him. It could be an hour. If you've got time, sit with him an hour. Sit with him 20 minutes. Sit in his presence. You don't have to do anything. Just sit. And the way I've been doing it lately is that Revelation 1 picture of Jesus. I'm just engaging him. I'm not trying to get something from him. I'm just sitting with him. It's just good to be with you, Jesus. See, so many of us, we want the presence of God, and, and, and the Lord's presence is so available, but we're, we're trying to do all these things to get the presence of God, and his presence is like a waterfall. And, and if you wanted to get wet... You wouldn't stand outside the waterfall and going, I want that. I want that waterfall. Give me the waterfall. You would actually just go sit under the waterfall and you'd get so wet and everybody around you would know that you are soaked. And guess what else you would do if you sit under the waterfall? You'd get everybody else wet. What we've done for too long is stared at the waterfall, screamed, I want the waterfall, tried to read verses to get the waterfall. And in the entire time, he's just saying, would you just come sit under the fountain of me? He's the secret place. He's the treasure. He's the pearl of great price. He's where we abide. We sit with him and we allow his life and his light to come on us. And like I said, it's that five minutes with the focus on the person of Jesus. In Revelation 1, there's 24 facets of Jesus right there in Revelation 1. Go through every little phrase, alpha, omega, beginning, and the end, first and the last, root of David. I mean, go through every one of them, eyes like fire. He's burning in passion, face like the sun. His face is glorious to behold. He will light the whole planet with his face. I mean, go through every detail and just sit under the fountain of him. You can do it five minutes, do it 30 minutes, hour, 20 minutes, sit, and then throughout your day, that's, that's where you're saying, I'm holding your hand and that sitting point, and throughout your day, you're gonna reference him. Wherever you're going, Lord, I love you. Lord, your eyes are fire. Oh, your voice, your voice is like the sound of many waters. Yes, God, I am yours. Hundred of times, hundreds of times maybe, five to 10 second prayers in the in-between. You just continue to re-engage and to tap that connection. All right, here we go. Three components to abiding. First, it's what I've been referencing. We abide in his presence. John 15, four, he goes, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit 
of itself unless it abides in me, neither can you unless you abide in me. The fruit he is talking about firstly is the character of Christ. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, It's interesting to me that he says, abide in me, you won't bear fruit. And then Paul gives us this character of God that's manifest in us and he calls it fruit of the Spirit. And so obviously these things connect That Galatians 5, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, meekness, patience, temperance, faithfulness, all those things, they began to manifest through us. How? By trying to do them? No, by abiding in his presence. See, so many people, they go, I've got a problem with patience. I just need to be more patient. I need to try to be patient. How do I figure out patience? And what I would tell you is, don't try to be patient. Sit down with Jesus. Stare at him. Let the nature and the life of God flow into you. Consider how patient he is and allow that fruit to begin to germinate and seed and and bud and grow in your own soul. And if if you'll do the sitting down and the abiding, you know what you'll find? Do do it. Do it for a couple weeks. You know what you'll find? In, In a little bit of time, you're like, whoa, I'm more patient than I was. I can see a change. You'll see it. The fruit that comes forth from us doesn't come because we tried harder to be like him. It comes because we were with him. It's not about trying harder to be like him. It's just being with him. He is life. He is light. He is glory. He is beauty. He is love. He is pure peace. He is majesty. If you will let him flow all over you, all through you, you will manifest the very nature of who he is. Paul said it this way. He said it in 2 Corinthians 3 and 4. He said, if you'll behold him, you'll become like him. We become what we behold. And beloved, that's all I'm talking about. It's getting in his presence, beholding him, and then throughout your day, continuing to acknowledge him. That first thing he says is you can't bear fruit without me. Maybe you've realized it's hard in life. Maybe you're just like godly, reading the Bible all the time, praying, and you're, but you're doing this quiet time deal and you're trying to see fruit happen and you're realizing, man, the fruit is hard. Look, the fruit doesn't have to be hard. The fruit for any kind of fruit tree is very natural. You never see a fruit tree squeezing the fruit out. I've never seen it gone past an orange tree and gone to Florida, an apple tree and a peach tree, peach tree, yeah, peach tree, where the the branches are shaking to try to pop a piece of fruit out. They don't do that. Why? Because fruit happens. It just happens when the branch is connected. It just happens. You know what happens for Christians? Fruit happens. Character happens. Not as we focus on trying to do it, as we focus on Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the end. Jesus is the source. Jesus is the beginning. If we will lodge ourselves in Jesus, the fruit and the character of Jesus will manifest through us, beloved. That's what this is about. You want a takeaway? You want a handle for how we're going to make it through trials, make it through COVID-19, make it through birth pangs, end of the age? Jesus. Get into Jesus. Abide in Jesus. He is the storm and he is the center of the storm. 
the, the safest place to be is at the center of the storm when the storm is swirling and twirling and everything is happening. I want to tell you something. Jesus is the storm. Let's get into Jesus. Let's get in the middle of Jesus. Let's not go around calling ourselves a Christian completely distracted with everything else. Let's get distracted with Jesus. Somebody goes, well, you sound like you're being too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. No, I'm telling you the only way that you'll be any earthly good is by being constantly heavenly minded because we need Jesus to get us through. So that first key to abiding is abiding in his presence. When he says abide in me, he's saying abide in my presence. It's the key to fruitfulness. It's the key to character, love, joy, peace, kindness, meekness. Everybody needs a little more humility. Stare at Jesus. Stare at his humility. It will birth fruit in you. Daily sit down in his presence and allow the life of Jesus to flow of you, over you. Secondly, we abide in the word of God. John 15, 7, he says it this way very, very clearly. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. This is a shocker. Authority in intercession only comes from abiding in his presence and allowing the word to abide in us. That's it. It doesn't come from the prophetic dream. It doesn't come from the status or the, the title. It doesn't come from head knowledge. Authority in intercession comes from abiding in him and allowing his words to abide in us. And the power of the word of God is so transformational that it will change our internal makeup. It will even, it will even metamorphosize our own desires so that when it comes to intercession, he says, ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Well, James told us the reason why we don't actually get our prayers answered is because we ask a misc, wanting to spend it on our own desires. But I go, Jesus, how are you saying this? And James is saying that. And what James is talking is the unrenewed mind, the untransformed soul. But what Jesus is talking about is this. When, when you let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, it's what Paul talked about in Colossians 3.16. When you let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, it transforms even your desires and then from that place of that transformed heart, you just begin to say, Jesus, here's what I really want. And your desires and his desires, they line up perfectly, which is what John ended up telling us in his epistle. He said, when we pray, we know he hears us. And if we ask anything according to his will, we know we have the things for which we've asked. The key to authority in prayer is abiding in the word. And so, Practical ways, I put it right here in the notes. It's under B, under Roman numeral three, under Roman numeral four, right there in the notes. Practical ways to abide in the word. Well, read the word. You, can't, you don't have time to sit down and read the word? Throw the earbud in, listen to the word. Write the word. One of the things I taught my kids to do is paraphrase the Bible. And they go through and they paraphrase chapters and, and, and full books of the Bible. Study the word. Meditate, muse on the word. Just hold it, like I was saying, hold a scripture on your mind. Speak the word, sing the word, pray the word. Allow the word to dwell in you richly. Sit down with the word and then continue to lodge in the word throughout your day. 
So first we sit down in his presence, then we sit down in his word, and then finally we, we abide, we sit down in his love. John 15, verse nine, this is, I mean, this is like, this, I can't emphasize how important this passage has been to me. I mean, really, it just, it's, it's moving me even as I'm saying it. For 15 years, I've started almost every day with this thought on my mind. You know, I'm not more spiritual than anyone else. It's this, it's, it's the application of the truths of the scripture that have transformed me. I, I live, given left to myself, I have the same insecurities, the same fears, the same turmoil, inner tension, the same anger, frustration. I have the same as anyone else, maybe even a little more because my, my personality is, is given to like passion and, and, and those kind of things. This verse has brought me to a place out of, out of insecurity into confidence, out of fear into faith and love, out of frustration and anger into peace. Just the simple thought that as the eternal father loves Jesus, Jesus loves me. And then Jesus goes, stay there. Stay in that spot. Don't leave it. Never leave it. And in, I have so many people all the time asking me questions, input. Can you give me input on this for my life? And, and I'm just going to tell you the vast majority of the answers. I mean, maybe it's because I'm a one-trick pony, but I think it's because it's what the Bible teaches. The vast majority of the answers are you need to know the love of God. You need to know the way Jesus thinks and feels about you. You need to know that you don't have to work to measure up to make him like you. That he loves you just like the father loves him. The father loves him perfectly, fully, with the greatest intensity for, from forever to forever. This is how the eternal father loves the eternal son. Jesus himself loves you the same way. And in John 17, 23, it says the father loves us the same way he loves Jesus. God loves us the same way that God loves God. Not based on what you do, not based on how good you are, not based on how hard you work, not based on how hard you try to fruit it out, not based on any of that stuff, only based on the fact that God is love and he made you to love you and he says, stay there. I wanna tell you, the way to get through COVID-19 the way to get through the birth pangs to come, the way to get through the shakings, he's gonna shake everything. The way to get through the end of the age is by staying in the love of God, allowing it to lift the shame off of you, allowing it to lift the insecurity off of you, allowing it to lift the fear off of you, to drive it right out of you. Perfect love casts out all fear, knowing that he loves you, that he has affections for you, that he's kind and tender towards you. This has been literally my daily bread for about 20 years. In that verse 11, John 15, 11, he says, I told you this stuff so that you'd be full of joy. I can directly connect the amount of joy that I'm walking in with the amount of revelation of his affections for me that I'm walking in. 
Somebody that can't walk in joy, I will tell you, it's because you do not know how much he loves you. If you knew his love, oh, the joy, oh, what joy will fill my soul. Beloved, this is where it's at. How shall we live? Abide. Abide in his presence. Abide in his word. Abide in his love. It's about believing the depth of the affections that the tender heart and the burning bridegroom God has for you. Now, how do I get there? Because I know a bunch of people. I I mean, it's just constantly, I meet people. I I meet pastors. I meet leaders. Church people, all the time. I don't know if I believe it. That's okay. You have to start somewhere. Nobody starts with a fully renewed mind, believing fully the love that God has for them. Nobody. Nobody starts there. God knows this. He's not not offended that, that you don't believe it yet. That doesn't throw him off. He's like, no problem. You don't know the fire of my love. Your heart is encased in ice. No problem. Bring your ice next to my fire. See what happens. He goes, I'm going to win this fight 10 times out of 10. I am absolutely going to win this fight. Here's what I did for you. In the notes, I just off the top of my head, I put one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine different verses, John 59 makes 10 of my go-tos. These verses are my go-to verses. There's probably another 50 or 100 of them in the scriptures. I just had another one pop, pop into my mind. Hosea 11, 8. Um, anyway, I go to these verses and I wrestle them out. Don't, so, so what most people do is they go to the verse, they go, Okay, John 16, 27, for the Father himself loves you because you've loved me and I believe I came forth from God. Hmm. I, I, you know, I, I don't know if I really believe that. Uh, what's the next verse? Uh, they are my excellent ones, whom is all my delight. Mm, I didn't really feel that one either. And then just keep moving on. Here's what I want you to do. John 16, 27, the Father himself loves you. Personalize it. Deal with it. Slow down, deal with this. The Father loves you. He loves you, period. Now, when that, all of a sudden, there's that internal dissonance. And you hear this, and it has a certain sound, but inside you, there's a different sound, and you're like, wah, wah, and it, it, it's, it, it's not harmony. It's dissonance. And you go, okay, there's, in, in my soul, I don't know if I believe it. Here's the conversation you need to have next. God, I don't know if I believe this. Help me to believe this. Help me to understand your love for me. Help me. And I'm, you know, I I think in the notes I said, have a discussion, have an argument. Uh, Don't don't accuse God. I don't believe in that. Some people say, well, I just tell God everything I think. He already knows, and I cut. I don't do that. That's not good. (laughs) Don't cuss God. Don't just spout a bunch of refuse on God. He, he, he's holy. Let's approach the Lord with, with reverence. But when you don't believe it, admit it. Father, I, I, don't, I don't, I'm having a hard time with this one. I don't, I don't believe that you yourself, you love me for me, not based on what I do. And, and the Lord will wrestle you. Wrestle with the Lord. You'll lose every time. 
but be willing to wrestle. It's in that tension, it's in that wrestle, that back and forth that you get pinned, that he, he allows you to, 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 to bring the, the, the discussion forward, the question forward, and then you get pinned, all of a sudden something roots down in you because he gives you all the reasons that what you're believing isn't true. I remember sitting before the Lord and going, Father, I don't believe that you love me. You know, and, and, and there's all sorts of reasons people don't connect to the love of God. But I said, I don't believe you love me. He goes, look at my son. Look at my son. Look at my precious son. I let him be tortured. Why? And I said, well, you wanted to win the world. You wanted to win. You promised him the nations. He goes, no. It wasn't about the world. It was about you. I go, no, no. It was about you wanted the nations. He goes, yes, but let's dial it in. My son on the cross, bloodied and bruised. That was for you. Tell me, do you not believe I love you? And he would wrestle me. And I would say, but all my shame, all my bad decisions, I mean, I, I should be better. I should know more. He goes, I know your frame. I know you're made of dust. I know your end from your beginning. I've been thinking about you from a billion years ago. I know. I already knew what you were going to do. There's a Misty Edwards song. I knew what I was getting into when I called you. The Lord's not offended with you. He already knows your brokenness. He loves you. You wrestle it out with him. And finally, when he pins you, you go, okay, I give up. You win, you love me, and you let that cave your soul in. I'm telling you, it will change you. Beloved, this is the answer. You know what we need? We need might from the Holy Spirit in our inner man. You know what Ephesians 3 promises us? Might from the Holy Spirit in our inner man, that we would stand, that greater is he is on the inside of us than he that's in the world, the, 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 uh, First John. Uh, first, first John 4, 4, I think. I might be getting the wrong verse, but anyway, you get it. We need that might on the inside. And, and here's the point. It comes that we might know the height, the width, the depth, the length to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. It comes from the revelation of the love of God. This is how we move forward. I gave you all those verses, not so they'd look cute on the uh, page there. I gave you all the verses so you would take them this week and the next week and the next week and wrestle them out with God. Beloved, we have to begin to abide in him. We've got to begin to abide in the word and we've got to begin to abide in his love. Don't leave that place. Keep it with you throughout your day and joy will explode in your soul. All right, last thought, last verse. The outcome of abiding. I referenced and talked about this passage several weeks ago when we taught on the judgment seat of Christ. But 1 John 2, 28 has become, it's, it's become illuminated to me in a fresh way over the last few weeks Let's look at it together as we're getting ready to close. Stay with me. And now, little children, abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Now, little children, abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Hear me, hear me. 
The application that John gives us is specifically about when we stand before the Lord at his coming. But the truth that's in this passage is that if you abide in him right now, you'll have confidence and the shame will lift off your soul. The insecurity will leave, the fear will leave, the frustration will leave, the anger will leave if you abide in him. I just haven't met the person that really abides in his presence, in his word, in his love that isn't transformed. Abide in him. The confidence will come. The fear will leave. The shame will leave. It'll leave now and through every trial, you'll have confidence. Through, through every challenge, you won't be ashamed. Through, through the difficulties and the storms that just the natural fall in life gives us, you'll be able to stand confidently with God. This is such an impactful truth. And then as things are shaking, guess what? Abide in him. You'll have confidence. You'll be without shame. There's that old Daryl Evans song. I can hear it in my head right now. While the world is shaking and nothing stands, I will hold on to your hand. You're my refuge. Beloved, we have got to move from singing these eternal truths to living them. So the power of God, the power of love, the power of eternity sources our soul. Abide in him through the shakings. Abide in him all the way through the end of the age. Abide in him. And when we finally see his face, when we finally stand before him, we'll stand there with such confidence, without shame, without any insecurity, alive, fully whelmed in the love of God, fully bursting in joy. Amen.